Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. My name is Chess Warren and we're here covering the Champions League to the National League and beyond. We've got some brilliant guests on the pod this week making her debut. It's a women's sports writer and commentator. She's an ambassador for Miss Kick and her game too. It's Polly Starkey. Hello, Polly. Thank you for coming on today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And we also have a very special guest. We have a singer-songwriter and huge fan of the Wales women's football team, Naya Wynn. Hi, Naya. Thanks for coming on today. Hi, hi. Nice Nice to be here. Good stuff. It is the international break at the moment, and we've got some big World Cup qualifiers and friendlies being played all across the world. But first of all, though, we're going to start with England. The Lionesses took on world champions USA at Sold Out Wembley on Friday night. And although the game was officially a friendly, the atmosphere and stakes of the game made it anything but. England, as we know, are the current European champions, playing exciting and attacking football under one of the most sought-after managers in the game right now. Serena Wiegmann has been linked to a management at the England men's team too. The USA, for one of the first times in their domination of the women's game, seem to have something to prove. They had a disappointing Olympic campaign last year and the USA had slowly been forced to move on some of their older players through injury. It was going to be a good matchup. Due to Russo being out injured, Hemp took over that number nine role. She picked up a badly defended cross from Meade and slotted the ball home in the 10th minute. The Americans responded quickly as Stanway was dispossessed by Lindsay Horan on a poorly weighted back pass to allow Sophia Smith to slot a ball past Earps into the back of the net, only the sixth goal that England have conceded under Serena's tenure. But another big player for the night was VAR. Bronze took some studs to the face in the box, which was reviewed minutes later to give England a penalty, which Stanway coolly slotted home. The USA then had a goal disallowed for offside, much to the annoyance of the away fans that I was sat very near to. In the 80th minute, USA were awarded a penalty for a potential handball, but the ball actually hit Lauren Hemp on the bum. You can see Lucy Bronze calmly telling the rest of the Lionesses to back away from the referee to let her look at the footage. The penalty was overruled and the game ended 2-1 to England. Luke caught up with some of the players after the final whistle. Here's what Chloe Kelly and Crystal Dunn had to say. Great win, uh, tough side and nice to be back at Wembley. Yeah, the fans again, the fans were amazing again, weren't they? Yeah, fans always out to support us in their numbers and yeah, brilliant again tonight. How tough was that? Obviously because you played like Germany and Sweden, good sides in the Euros. How tough was that tonight against the Americans? Yeah, another tough test against a different side that we faced in the summer, and it's all building blocks towards next summer too. Now, obviously, you know it's been a it's been a tough week for a lot of the players. Um, it's been hard to kind of find joy all the time in, in moments of just being on the field. But I think tonight was a was a perfect environment for us to be able to play in. This is the the pinnacle of what we want women's soccer to be at, you know. So um, I think everyone really enjoyed at least the atmosphere. Of course, the result didn't go our way, but I think, um, like I said, you know, for us, we're unified in, in kind of pushing this this game moving forward and I think that fan fan base out there is just uh, the standard. Now Polly, were England the better side or did they just exploit the weaknesses of the USA? I think it's an interesting one because I thought both the teams were were very balanced. Um, I think obviously England had the massive upper hand with VAR and actually that that was really you know generous towards England and I think you know, the the game could have ended, I think it was 3-1 to the USA if that if that wasn't the case. But 
No, I thought um, it was exceptional play. Um, and obviously both teams had key players missing. The USA missed Alex Morgan, but then, you know, we were missing our captain, Leah Williamson, and also Alessia Russo. But I thought, you know, Millie Bright stepped really well into the captaincy. And obviously, as we mentioned, Lauren Hemp into that number nine role. So I think, yeah, it, it, in the end, I think obviously England did kind of have that advantage of VAR and that's probably the reason they won. But um, at the same time, England deserved it. They put on a great performance. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned there about Lauren Hemp in that number nine position. Do you think it was right to play uh, Hemp at number nine or do you think Serena should have maybe used Ebony Salmon or Lauren James? Especially Salmon, she's well-versed in playing with that American style of football because she does play in the NWSL. Now, what do you think? I would have liked to see Ebony get get her time on the pitch because um, I was thinking that she obviously plays with quite a lot of these players um, in, in league football. Um, I was a bit sceptical at first about the idea of Lauren Hemp kind of being this number nine and then them switching around kind of a false nine. Um, but I actually thought the attack worked quite well. For me, it was more the defence that looked a bit shaky. Um, and I think Serena's going to need to look at some of the some of the mistakes that happened um, and, and that needs to be shored up because we don't want to see them start to struggle just because just Leah Williamson's out. Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's a good point to mention that defence because another name that I'd plop into there for the being that centre forward position is Rachel Daly. Obviously, she at the moment is scoring for fun in the WSL. Um, she plays centre forward when she was at Houston Dash, um, but she plays left back for for England, which is it's funny if you think about it a lot. But actually, I think that she showed in her prowess in this game that um, it was the right decision to put her at left back. I think in the in the second half. There was, I can't remember who the player was, but I think it was Trinity Rodman who was out singular on goal. And um, she was able to, Rachel Daly was able to kind of run back in, in her with her pace that she does have and dispossess her, which is what she does in the WSL, what she did in the NWSL too. She's used to dealing with the pace that I think the NWSL has against the, the WSL. Um, which is really kind of the key difference between the English the English team and the American team as well, is that they just kept running. They were running the entire time. They kept running. Polly, do you think it was the right decision to play um, Rachel Daly at left back? Or do you think potentially Demi Stokes could have been able to, could have been able to come, come up against that pace? I mean, I think it would have been a good opportunity to put Demi Stokes in that position. You know, it was a friendly. I mean, England never play like it's a friendly, but at the end of the day, it was a friendly. And actually, that's a really good opportunity to put her in a, it's not really a high press situation, but against such a strong team. And, you know, thinking about 10 months down the line with the World Cup, you want all your players to have you know, a certain level of experience going into the World Cup against teams like the USA, who you're likely to face in knockout stages. Um, but at the same time, you know, Rachel Daly's class, and I, I think she did a really good job. So I kind of see it both sides. But at the same time, I think Serena does need to give more opportunities to players because, you know, when it comes to the World Cup, what if, what if Rachel Daly gets injured? Then you're going to have a player coming in who's not exactly used to playing that role for England and hasn't had much game time doing that. That that actually leads really nicely into my next question, which was going to be, since January, England have played and beaten every team above them in the world rankings. Is it coming home next summer? Who will be England's biggest test? Or, to play kind of devil's advocate a little bit, will England's biggest test be themselves? I'm, I'm worried that our team's reliance on Kira Walsh being fit and able to play 
um, will be kind of our downfall if she doesn't continue to be that. I really don't want to tempt fate because that would be awful. But Naya, what do you what do you think first? What will be or who will be England's biggest test coming into next summer? And then I'll go on to you, Polly. I think it will be themselves. They've obviously shown the ability that they can beat all the kind of top sides. Um, obviously, Spain. I think Spain was the most fraught game out of the whole uh, Euros. And, you know, that was without Alexia. Um, and I think that that will that will be a, an interesting one for the World Cup. Um, I know that Serena's kind of got this like set up now that's kind of, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, let's keep kind of uh, th- this set up. But I think she's going to need to be, you know, th- this is just me saying this, but I think she's going to need uh, some more flexibility um, with certain positions. Um, I'd like to see Jess Carter starting to be phased back into the defence because this is going to be the future of, you know, future of some of the defensive positions. Um, but yeah, I think if they can maintain that kind of those fitness levels, um, I do think that they have the ability to take on the lot, to be honest. Yeah, I think almost before the World Cup, I think England actually need to lose a game. That's a weird thing to say as an England fan, but I think they need to have someone really challenge them. Because obviously in the Euros, they had challenges. You know, you think about the final, it wasn't an easy game against Germany, but ultimately they won. And so I think they need to have a game where they're really challenged by opposition and realise, okay, we can't walk into this World Cup and and think we're good. I mean, they can think they're going to win it. They can have confidence and that's really important. But I think they could get potentially a bit complacent. Um, And they've had, a obviously, an amazing winning streak and their formulas kind of seem to work. But actually, I think they need a bit of a spanner in the works to, to, to I suppose, see the depth of the squad and, and potentially what they can do when they are under pressure. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know who that who that challenge could be in the lead up to the World Cup because I think ultimately, you know, you, you, I mean, you mentioned about Spain. I think obviously with with the way that team is at the moment, we don't quite know what their squad would will look like in the summer. But I think, you know, obviously they're massive opposite op, um, opposition. But then also USA, but. As we saw on Friday, England can play really well against them. So I think England's chances are very good. Um, but I think they need a kind of a bit of a beating and then they can kind of regroup and, and maybe head into the World Cup with a bit more. Uh, I don't know what the right word. I mean, they've got confidence, but it's like kind of very earned confidence from, OK, we've been beaten. We can come back from this. Yeah, I, I I like what you mean about having them lose lose a game and see what happens when they kind of come back from that. But then on the other side to that, I know they're not at their best at the moment, but that's what happened. That's what happened at Ellen Road against the Netherlands. They went one nil down. They came from behind for the first time um, in Serena Wiegmann's tenure. And what did they win? Five was it five one four one five one, which was an incredibly convincing con- convincing win for them. I know you mentioned the um, the back line there, maybe the age of the back line wanting to get Jess Carter in. Um, how would you how would you reform reform that back line? Because apart from Leah Williamson, who I is she twenty five, twenty six now, a lot of the other players are older. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily like aging in a way that's bad. Because I think Lucy Bronze was probably one of the best players on the pitch um, in that USA game, and she's the oldest England England player now because of the retirement of Jill Scott and Ellen White. But how would you, what would you do to reform that back line, Naya? I would really like to see Maya Letizia get her call up. I think that she is more than proven that she is really, you know, despite being 20, she's a really mature centre-back. 
um, and fullback as well. Like she has that flexibility, which is what Serena's going to need if injuries happen. Um, in terms of Jess Carter, I mean, there, there might be a reason why, you know, she's, she might, Serena might feel that she's not quite ready yet. Um, but it would be good to see her being played in perhaps some of the lower ranking team against some of the lower ranking teams, perhaps on, uh, you know, against the, uh, is it Czech Republic on, on Tuesday? Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that just to test it out because it's, it's a relatively safe thing to do as well. Um, but Maya Letizia would be for me a really strong choice. Um, yeah. So the reasoning behind Serena not picking Maya, I'm sure you already know this for for this for this round of um it, for this England squad was because she wanted to see her defend. She'd seen her attack with Manchester United. She wanted to see her defend because she wanted her to play a defensive role. Realistically, with Manchester United squad, they are forward, very forward facing. They are very over attacking. I mean, she scored twice in her debut for the club in the WSL as a centre back. You know, it's 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 very pushing forward. Do you think she will be able to demonstrate that level of defensive ability while she's at Manchester United? I think she definitely will be. Um, I think she's shown that already. I I do understand that that Serena said that, but for me, I thought, oh, I thought she's shown like really strong defensive acumen. Um, and at the end of the day, those two goals were from set pieces. Um, which whilst it's not common. Uh, you know, a, a defense, uh, a defender to do that um, and score from those. You know, it, it can happen. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was surprised when I saw her say that because I thought that she's shown really strong defensive abilities and she slotted straight into that uh, starting eleven. Polly, how would you reform our backline? Yeah, I think again, like bringing in younger players and actually just giving people opportunities because. I think that's one thing I've been slightly disappointed with in Serena. You know, I think she's a great manager, but I think it's really important to give players like Maya Leticia, um, or even you know, she's she's given people call ups, but then is not using them. And I think actually that it's all well and good them being around the squad and learning from the other players, but actually time on the pitch is is far more valuable. Um, so yeah, I think personally, just yeah, bringing in younger players, for example, Maya Leticia, um. And giving them experience, like on on Tuesday against Czech Republic, is like, well, what what have they got to lose? It's like it, it doesn't particularly matter if if they lose that match. So, take a risk, you know. For example, you know, in terms of defense, bringing like Lotta uh, Webermore, like she's not been given many opportunities at all, um, and obviously wasn't originally called up into the squad. But it's like give give her a chance. Like she she's there. You may as well use her. Um, so I'd like to see Serena do that more, but. At the same time, you know, they've got a formula that works. So I understand why she's hesitant to change that. Yeah, she doesn't She doesn't give out caps for free, does she? I, I get what you mean with, with playing the younger players. But I think her main kind of reasoning for not calling up both Paris and also Moy to start was the fact that they were, they're not getting club minutes. I think the importance of club minutes, which is why we saw, unfortunately, I know that Walker had to then drop out of the squad, but you were seeing her being called up for the first time. There was a reserve player that was taken in from from Brighton, Katie Zellum. Obviously, she was on the she was she was picked for a squad a few times, and she didn't get playing minutes until she des- deserved it. 
and we're now we're seeing maybe Esme Morgan because she's getting more club minutes at um at City being played a, f- a friend of the pod um who was in one of our Euros Euros coverage so it'd be great to see to see her getting played but I, I get what you mean about giving kind of the younger players a chance but then when we actually look at the team anyway there are quite a few very young players who are kind of our our, our, our starting squad Lauren Hemp being one of them she's only two months older than me which is a bit depressing when I think about it because I couldn't run like that I don't think I've ever been able to run like that and I definitely won't ever be able to run like that but also Ella Toon and even Kira Walsh isn't that old and she's kind of the linchpin of the squad now. So I think that 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 itself in itself is really impressive. But moving away from England, Wales took one step closer to the World Cup finals with a win over Bosnia and Herzegovina to reach the World Cup playoff final. A record crowd of 15,200 saw Wales have four goals ruled offside in an increasingly tense evening before Jess Fishlock's superb volley in extra time broke the deadlock. Wales will travel to Zurich to face Switzerland on Tuesday as they bid to reach a first major finals. Naya, what a night for Wales. The excitement must be building, isn't it? It's excitement, but I'm also stressed. I'm so stressed. That, That game was stressful because I just thought, come on, like... We should be, we should have this one in the bag. To be fair to Bosnia, they really dug in. I was really impressed, but I don't know. I just, um, I feel worried. I feel excited, but I feel worried. Um, I really don't want it to be heartbreak. Do you think Wales's inability to close out games will be a worry for them in the future? Because they've really struggled with scoring before and the sheer amount of wasted chances in this game were really frustrating, like really frustrating. It gets to a point now where I've not heard of four four goals being called off, offside in a match in an international fixture like very recently. It's It's kind of like when it gets to that point, it's just not good enough. What do you think they need to do um, to, to, to stop this from, from happening? I think they hundred hundred percent need to be more clinical in front of goal. That that was that was the really frustrating thing that we were, you know, giving them waves of attack, but it just wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I think, you know, only winning one nil, especially it not even been in the ninety minutes, that's that's really fraught. You know, that's a precarious position to be in, especially on a one leg kind of game. Um, they need to be more clinical. I'd like to see subs being brought on a little earlier I think she did this in the Slovenia game um and whilst it it worked to our benefit in the extra time um you know because Bosnia was shattered by the time it came to that point um it worked in our favor that we could bring on some subs but um we need some game changers to come on you know um, uh, three quarters way through um just to give us that push but having said that you know that Jess Fishlock goal uh, that was dirty. Like that was so good. That was so good. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was really brilliant. A really brilliant strike. She said that she sent Angara James up there to tell the person whipping in the cross to just whip one in because she was so frustrated um, that it, the game was still nil nil, and to end it out in a way like that and to celebrate too in the way that she did was brilliant. Do you think it's a confidence thing, Polly? How do you build confidence in a squad like that? I think it's massively about confidence. Um, And I think 
we see from a lot of a lot of the smaller teams it's about their confidence and their passion and it's about remembering that feeling when you win because when it gets to those really tough you know when you're in extra time and you just want to lie on the floor you're absolutely exhausted it's remembering okay if we do this this one thing we're going to be one step closer to the world cup and it's i think confidence is massive because once you've um i suppose with with particularly the goal of how spectacular it was, you know, Fishlock can go to the next game and think, oh, I can do that again. I can score an absolute worldie again. And then other players will think, oh, she did it, I can do it. Um, and it just builds that team morale. And I think that that's so important when when you're so close to achieving something. And obviously for Wales, this is massive. You know, if, if they win, they, they reach a, a major tournament. And it's like, it's, you know, I don't know, it's like in reaching distance and, that extra tiny bit of confidence could be all the difference because these games end up being so close and are, and are so contested. So I think, yeah, confidence for Wales will be massive. Talking about a game that they're going to need some confidence before for, their next match against Switzerland is going to be a really tough game. Naya, how do you think they should go about it? How do you think they're going to be able to exploit uh, Switzerland's weaknesses? I think the defence are going to have to be really re- ready for... The, the front line, you know, kind of Ramona Bachman. I don't know if Alicia Lehman has had a call up as well. Um, I think that they really need to learn from those moments in that game um, last week of being clinical and taking the chances. Um, and they, they they need to continue doing the, the high pressing that they were doing as well. Um, but obviously Switzerland, they're, they're a much better team than Bosnia. Um, so they're going to need to be really careful about it. Scotland are also potentially 90 minutes away from the Women's World Cup after a gruelling extra-time playoff victory over Austria. It was a thumping-headed winner from Bristol City's Abby Harrelson in the 92nd minute in front of a record competitive crowd at Hampden Park, which see the Scots now face the Republic of Ireland for a place in Australia and New Zealand next year. How it works is the two top-ranked playoff final winners will go directly to the finals, while the third-best nation will go into a 10-team inter-confederation playoff next February. I want you guys to to predict it for me. Who's going to win? Naya, is it going to be Scotland or Ireland? I think Ireland might clinch it. Yeah. Um yeah. P- Polly, do you think they've got they've they've got the thing to edge because I think Ireland have a really really something special going on with both their team and their manager at the moment. They seem to have really gelled as a unit. Do you think they're going to be able to edge past Scotland in this game? Yeah, I I think Ireland will probably do it. I think on paper Scotland look kind of like a better team you know they've got some big players you know you think about Caroline Weir obviously going to Real Madrid and stuff but I do think Ireland yeah I hate to say it but I think Ireland uh, Ireland might win and onto that 10 team into confederation playoff it seems a bit of a complicated way to to get to the finals it was really funny I saw a um I saw a brilliant article by the uh, Irish Times basically being like how can we actually get there what do we have to do doesn't it seem a bit convoluted that that's the way that they're getting to the finals? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It, and and that's that's another part of my trepidation for for tomorrow is that it's just like this is not the this is not the final rung of the ladder. Um, I find it really frustrating. I think it shows that we need to, if those are the allocated spaces and the the limit that you know those kind of allocated spaces present, then. Do we not need to expand? So is it not time to expand now? And I appreciate, obviously, that women's football has had like a rapid rise in the last 
12 to 18 months so that it, it would be for the next world cup but you know, for god's sake like we shouldn't have to do these multiple kind of international um uh you know breaks and doing all of these kind of because that's going to impact on on league football as well as we know um it just it feels so convoluted uh and of <laughs> I really like the point that you made there about the fact that it is so convoluted, but also UEFA have twice the amount of confederation slots that any other confederation have in this um, to get to the World Cup anyway. Should we be looking if we're going to be expanding, not necessarily just with, with Europe, but like on a, on a wider plane? It, like, Does there need to be investment elsewhere to uh, allow for an expansion of the World Cup? Um, or should we just kind of focus on what we have at the moment? Because re- realistically, Austria has been been knocked out and they're a team that really challenged in, in the Euros themselves. And so they, they could challenge at a World Cup stage. But is it potentially unfair to look to see, well, there's been an increased investment in the European the European side, so we should maybe focus on those a bit more? Or are we worried that we're going to end up with scorelines in the World Cup like we had with Thailand and USA last time? Or does that really matter? Should we just be re- realistically? Should we just be fair about it, Polly? What do you think? I think it's really important to expand because the the issue that we've seen with other sports is that once you have those teams like England, Germany, USA, who always will qualify, suddenly the the gap gets bigger and bigger between the smaller countries who tend not to qualify, and so I think it's really important to expand get those countries involved and yes you know they might lose 15 nil or whatever and that's really not great but at the same time it gives them an opportunity and it gives them experience and it makes that gap smaller um and I think the the longer you kind of leave them out of these tournaments the worse that's going to get and the harder it is to kind of put them in in the running for that um so no I think it I think it's really important and especially for kind of the global development of of women's football it's key because you know as soon as um I suppose young girls or young boys start seeing that their team have got to a world cup that's massive they're going to get behind their team and that's where people get inspired otherwise if if your team are never going to make it to a world cup you think oh well I, I don't want to aspire to play for that team or you know you're not you're going to be less invested because you want to invest in a successful team um so i think it's really important to to expand but at the same time there is the the big issue of you know people losing 20 nil or whatever onto the national league we've got the results in the north division burnley remain top despite only drawing at home to nottingham forest jonathan morgan's side fell behind to a charlotte greengrass goal in the 17th minute Millie Grace Ravening managed to get an equaliser on 78 minutes. Wolves are a point behind in second after Amber Hughes' goal saw them edge out second bottom Boldermere St Michael's. Stoke and Derby both got 1-0 away wins at West Brom and Brighouse respectively. But Huddersfield, who sandwiched the two teams in the table, lost 2-0 away at AOC Fylde. In the South, only four games took place, but it's Oxford United who are top, despite them only drawing at home to fourth place Ipswich Town. Lacey Liggett scored her first goal for Oxford United before Anna Gray scored the leveller for Ipswich. Portsmouth are second after going down to a surprise defeat at home to Bridgewater United. Pompey only stay second thanks to a goal difference as they're level on points with Watford, who beat Plymouth Argyle 5-1. And as we have Naya on the show, just before we close out, 
a little birdie's told me that you've got a new single coming out in November. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be a collaboration with a German producer called Shuko, um, who's worked with the likes of Kanye West, Anderson Park, Timberland, um, and he's a great guy. So I'm very excited uh, for that song to come out. Uh, we haven't kind of revealed the details yet, um, but stay posted on that. And I'll also be playing um, in, in Cardiff at the end of this month for Lace Festival. Um, and it's a free event, October the 29th. Awesome. Thank you very much. Where can people find you on so uh, social media, Naya? Um, they can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, etc. So it's Neowin Music. Um, and then I'm also on Spotify, Apple, what have you. Yeah. Awesome. And where can people find you, Polly? Do you have any, do you have any singles lying around deep in your social media but where can people find you yeah um not much for singing myself but um you can uh find me on another podcast i do the naughty child podcast with my dad which is all about women's cricket so if you've got an interest in that you can give that a listen um then also my twitter which is polly starkey 04 um, and my instagram is polly underscore underscore starkey so chat all about women's cricket women's football anything going on in the women's sport world really Awesome. I'll definitely be checking both of those out and I hope you do too. We're going to be back next week to review the action and bring you the latest news from the women's game. Also, follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Have a great week, guys. Listener.